The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you. This is Caffeinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me is mainly always is Chicago's King of Geeks, Elliot Serrano. Who's actually caffeinated. Ooh, I'm actually caffeinated. It's funny that now we're getting back to the way it used to be. I remember when I would uh, be on Caffeinated Comics way back when. In the, in the pre-times. In the pre-times. And you would there have was no over. pandemic. I was yep. married. I owned a house. There were, yep. I had a job. There were a lot of things that were different. <laughs> yeah. And I and I had that, that sweet Grover mug that belonged to your ex-wife that, you know. That she she was... still has it. It broke. It, uh, it broke. And then she brought it downstairs to super glue it. And she never did it. And every time I stop by there, I see it sitting on a workbench. And I'm like... Oh, poor Elliot. <laughs> not only is it broken, it's not getting fixed and it's not coming to you. Well, that's that's pretty much a, a allegory for my life right now. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Both but my lives. <laughs> you're right. It's a, it is, as we're recording this, it's Saturday morning at noon, which is when we used to traditionally do this. Uh, well, of course, we're doing this now on uh, StreamYard. We're doing this video from our own homes because that's the way life is now. I tell you, um, my week... Uh, I feel a lot like a Twitter employee because I got sick on Saturday. So I dealt with this malignant force that took over my life and then I got laid off. So oh. <laughs> that was my, that's been my week. This is the first time I've been on a video conference since my job ended. I don't miss it that much. I like talking to you. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. But I mean, like, you know. I, I literally turned on the ring light and flinched. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for once, I don't need the ring light because it's still daytime. You know, like whenever we do the MCU review, it's it's late at night and I have to set up my my complicated lighting rig so I don't get swallowed by the darkness in my family room yeah, like well, I'm, I'm used to. I'm doing it for you because I turned it off and now it, it looks like a 70s day for night horror movie. <laughs> Which is how I spent my October watching. It's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> So, um, speaking of which, last week we covered um, Halloween, and so we were very focused on horror for October. So a lot of new stories slipped through. We gave them passing mention, but I think this is a good time to stop and dis- and discuss things like James Gunn taking over DC films and um, David Tennant taking over Doctor Who. And then, of course, um, Andor is becoming a bigger and bigger force out in the pop culture. So I figured... Let's let's cover all that stuff. Um, first, the most important thing. What do you th- what did you think of that thirty seconds of Doctor Who? <laughs> well, I, I will admit I, I was a tad spoiled. Um, the, the rumor had been going around that it would be Tennant coming back. We knew it was David Tennant. We knew David Tennant was going to be in the anniversary special because yes. there are already images of him out there. You know, as yeah, with, shooting with Catherine Tate, but next year is the 60th anniversary, so we mm-hmm. all assumed he was back for the 50th. Right, that it would probably be a similar thing. And um, there's still no word on any other doctors. But when I saw David Tennant, I was like, "All right, well, in a week we'll see Matt Smith and we'll see Peter Capaldi uh, right. shooting." But we haven't seen any of that. And then um, they announced that he was doing three specials, and uh, but in the power of the Doctor, Jody Whittaker's last episode. She actually regenerated into David Tennant. Into David Tennant, and and the word now is that the Tennant will regenerate into the uh, the Chutigawa Doctor because he even appears in the teaser that they um, show for um, the specials. Yeah, Russell T. Davies is calling David Tennant the fourteenth Doctor. Yep. So it's not the return of the tenth Doctor, and he's calling Chutigawa the fifteenth Doctor. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's going to be canon. It's not just like a, it's not just a nostalgia trip. But um, but it is something, I'm sorry, it is something that Stephen Moffat foreshadowed in the last special in the um, in yes. the day of the doctor, was it? Yes, it was yes when, of, when it was Tom the, Baker. Just, uh, Tom, yeah, Tom Baker. And he says, you're, you'll probably revisit some of your old faces if only the 
you know, the old, you know, the favorites or whatever. Yeah. So you can tell that they were setting that up for the next special. Mm-hmm. And also just an explanation why Tom Baker was in it so much older than when he regenerated because he regenerated in 1981. That was the last time he appeared. And the, 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 the you know, the assumption at that point is that that's the end. That's, that would be like the final doctor. He will end as again, the curator mm-hmm. of the muse of the Gallifrey museum or something. Yeah. But then again, they, they broke, they broken all the rules oh, yeah, already yeah, because yeah. I think that, I think that, you know, it's supposed to be 12, which I think they established in the classic series. But then once Christopher Eccleston didn't come back for the 50th and they got John Hurt at the last minute and they were like, oh, he doesn't have a number. He's the war doctor. And then it's like everything's thrown off because, OK, well, that that means that the ninth doctor was the 10th doctor, 10th doctor was 11th doctor. And then um, and then you have weird episodes like uh, during David Tennant's run, he uh, regenerated into himself in and- one episode. It made an made another version of himself. Yeah, it made another version of himself, but he didn't change, so he was still the tenth Doctor. And then during the Jodie Whittaker run, there was a fugitive Doctor. Mm-hmm. So um, they're going to do as many Doctors as they want to. They never have to reboot the series because they they don't have an end. Oh yeah, and I think that was one of the, the very cute things that they did. If you went to see. A day of the doctor in theaters and i think you can also see this particular um stinger in uh, on youtube you can find it on youtube uh where matt smith appears in the very beginning to introduce the movie and but does it as the doctor not as himself he says he as a doctor and he talks about oh you should see the the hundredth anniversary special we've got go that's going on right now all 162 doctors are, you know, coming together in five dimensions, you know. So I was like, yeah. And even, and Moffat himself even said, you can't, you can't keep yourself beholden to those rules because then that gives, that means the show's got to end at some point. A doctor right. who's never going to end. No, but they, it, if they stuck to those rules, it would be completely rebooted. It would, you know, it, they'd have to start it up again. And they've always been smart about not doing that, even no. in the 90s. You know, with Paul McGann, they put Sylvester McCoy in it to say, yeah. like, this is a sequel. We're not starting again. And even though Sylvester McCoy wasn't in the 2005, it was known that Eccleston was the ninth Doctor. There was a backstory there. And but, McGann appears in Power of the Doctor, as well as McCoy and um, Peter Davison. Yeah, I, I've seen clips of that. I, I no longer have BBC America, and HBO Max is very slow putting episodes up. And, of course... Yeah as of next year, they won't have Dr. Who. It'll go to Disney plus. Uh, So I haven't seen the full episode of power of the doctor. In fact, when power of the doctor went up, HBO max put up the sea devils, which is six months old. I'm like, all right, I'll watch the sea devils now. And uh, so I haven't seen the whole episode. I've only seen the clip on YouTube, which I guess BBC, the BBC kind of got in front of it because they realized, okay, uh, you know, England and anyone with BBC America is going to know this. Let's just put it out before it leaks. Right. And they put out the last two minutes. Now, had you had you given up on Doctor Who uh, up to now? Because the ratings, they said, and I don't know if these are uh, global or just in England, but at its peak with David Tennant, 13 million people were watching it. And then by the time uh, of this last episode, it was like 2 million. So most of the fan base has drifted off. So it's okay if you did. Oh, uh, I was like, I was going back and forth again, though. I was at the mercy of HBO Max putting the episodes up because I don't have BBC America either. I have all these freaking streaming services. <laughs> and I thought the moment HBO Max got Doctor Who, I said, oh, okay, I could just, I'm paying for this. So I'll just, you know, uh, and a fr- I'm, I'm even on a friend's BritBox account. And BritBox doesn't even have Britbox it. BritBox doesn't have it? Doesn't have it. Has wow. all the classic Who stuff. Mm. All the pre-Eccleson stuff you can find on BritBox. But you can't find the new stuff. So fine. I said, I'll I'll just wait. And then what I think um, the New Year's special that they did, the one where the they're trapped in the building with the Daleks. Yeah. Probably the best episode that... Um, um, uh, uh, Chris Chibnall has ever written. I oh, like, I, I really enjoyed that. The um, and the the guest actress in that was in 
the Paul Rudd Netflix show, Living With Myself. Yeah, see, I haven't seen that one yet. That's really so, good. It's, it's she's very ep- good. She's, she's very good. She's yes. very good in that, too. And that's eight episodes of Paul Rudd as a clone. So there's two Paul Rudds. Yes. So why wouldn't you? Right, right. So, uh, but that one was entertaining. Yes, it was very entertaining. And I'm there going, ah, oh, crap. He's leaving the show, and he's finally found the the, the right balance for a, a good episode. You have... You know, again, you have the doctor and the companions, but you got to throw in some humor because I'm telling you, if there's anything that the episodes were lacking, yeah, were just was just jokes that worked. Well, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a fun show. It it became like a procedural. Mm-hmm. It was Chip though. Just he was a uh, channeling too much um, uh, broad church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was literally like it was like Law and Order Tardis Division. <laughs> All four of them would come in. My complaint about the, my biggest complaint about the Chibnall era, I like Jodie Whittaker. I think Mm -hmm. um, I don't like this era at all. uh, Is that she had three companions who all just followed behind her and went, Doctor, where are we? Yeah. It's like, it's like you cast them to be diverse, but you didn't write them to be diverse. And I think that's what sucked the air out. And then they got rid of two of them and I was like, good. But then they brought in another guy from Liverpool who just went, Doctor, where am I? Yeah, I didn't see the point of that. I said, why not just stick with Yaz, you know, Yaz yeah, and, think, and the doctor. And, and I've just, always thought Doctor Who works best with one companion. Uh-huh, I agree. I mean, yes, the original Doctor always, it was like two, sometimes three. Mm-hmm. But And I know Chibnall was trying very much to be like classic, classic Who. Because he was already pulling the show away from so much of his established canon. People were going to get pissy about it, yeah. you know. And, and then it's like, oh, no, no, but I'm a classic Who nerd. I love Doctor Who. I'm not trying to disrespect it, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I still don't know how they're going to deal. Uh, uh, mind you, I have not seen Power of the Doctor yet. He's probably already dealt with the retcon of, you know, the 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 Doctor being like the source of all Gallifrey. You know, yeah. That, yeah. I, I'm not so tied to canon because I know Doctor Who is silly. Yes. So it's it's always going to throw in stuff that makes no sense. Uh, that was one of the, the things when I first got into Doctor Who, which is about 10 years ago when Netflix first got it. Um, during the Matt Smith era, I realized, oh, I always went into it going, this is British Star Trek. And, yeah. you know, it, it's lasted as long. It's had as many incarnations. It has endured as strongly. Um, it, and, you know, Star Trek is American Doctor Who. But when I got into it, I was like, oh, no, Star Trek tries to like make up some kind of science. They're like, Captain, there's an anomaly and a, and a phase yep, variant yep. in space. Doctor Who is just magic. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. So I don't, I'm not so tied to canon of, well, you said this, but it's this, but it's this. But I, I did bristle when they said that, oh, the Doctor's not a Time Lord. The Doctor's this other being that the Time Lord's got regenerations from. I'm like, what's the, what's the point of that? Yeah. So, but uh, all in all, though, again, it's a thing that I can see they'll poke fun at that at some point, just like, uh, again, in, in Day of the Doctor, where the Matt Smith Doctor makes, pokes fun at the uh, at the time when he did work for Unit. Mm-hmm. Remember when he, yeah. when he goes, oh, I had an office. I had a job. This was my job. And yeah. Claire's like, you did not. <laughs> so it'll happen. Yeah. I mean, it goes through. Every, that's one of the things I love about it is it, it does accept every weird iteration that it's had over 60 years. It's kind of like the Grant Morrison Batman run. He was like, yeah, everything happened. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But if you, you, and that's kind of like the, the attitude you've got to have uh, when it comes to that kind of thing. When you have shows or even comic books or characters that have been around for that long and they're in essence timeless because they never really age. Right. Even when they age, you're you're only going to get Bruce Wayne to a certain age where he has a kid that's like ten years old. You know, that's yeah. it. Yeah, Spider Man. Yeah. You can you can push him from fifteen to twenty eight, and that's yeah. about yeah. as far as you can get him to go. So, and you know, we we talked about that a lot on um, on Shaking Not Heard with James Bond. James Bond is never going to reach a certain age where he's going to like ready to retire. Although that would have been a really good, uh, uh, really good. Uh, 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 pitch for uh, Sean Connery's last 
uh, James Bond. But anyway, that's a different show. <laughs> I just, I, I would just like a whole movie of I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> and it would work. It He's would just work. Danny Glover. <laughs> yeah, it would work. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how he ended his career. Pretty much. He, made, he made a movie with Catherine Zeta-Jones and went, I'm getting too old for this shit. That was actually good. I remember when Sean Connery had that big resurgence there at the end. He made some really good movies there. I liked I liked Entrapment. That one was fun. Yeah, there was 90 Sean Connery. I think it was like the 2000s when he was just like, that's enough of this. Because he turned down Gandalf. He was like, I'm not going to live in New Zealand <laughs> for a year. <laughs> he, he turned down that and uh, Dumbledore. Yeah. Yeah, also very smartly, he turned down Cybok in Star Trek V. And yet he did not turn down um, uh, uh, Alan Quartermain in League of Extraordinary yeah. Gentlemen. Yeah. Oh, well. You know, you can't make every, every good choice. So so you're caught up with Jodie Whittaker up until Power of the Doctor. Yes. I, I did the same thing when uh, Flux came on. Uh, um, HBO Max, I call it like the Gotham experience. I kept quitting Gotham and then they, then Hulu would have a bunch of episodes and I'd be like, well, I'll catch up and I didn't enjoy it, but I was caught up. So I watch it like twice a year and not enjoy myself because that's yeah. the first time I am. Um, so I was caught up, but I was paying very little attention. Even the sea devils. I was like, I was like on Facebook half the time. So, but I felt like I had drifted when I saw David Tennant in the, th- for 30 seconds, it I, I felt like I'm back. Like w- as soon as I saw him, I was like, yep, I'm excited. I love this. I'm back for all the, for all the reasons I was in it to begin with. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I feel the same way as you do, but again, I'm going to be a little bit cautious now because you get that initial rush of, okay, it's David Tennant. And I'm very comfortable with David Tennant's take on the doctor. My, my issue, if any, with Jodie Whittaker's doctor is like, she was just not quirky at all. She had nothing that really made her gave. They, I don't think Chibnall ever gave her anything to help her really make the character her own um, to really bring out just again, the, the idiosyncrasies, idiosyncrasies, uh, the eccentricities of the doctor. I mean, Jodie Whittaker almost felt like Matt Smith light to me in female form. Mm. It'd be the way the her uh, speech patterns were, blah blah blah. Okay, I kept waiting for just something for her to really put her stamp on the character outside of right. the wardrobe. Um, so now we're gonna have, you know, David Tennant come in. Are they gonna play that up? Is he gonna, is he gonna be playing like that, or is Tennant going? You know what? No, I mean, I, I, yes, I'm playing the fourteenth Doctor, right, or fifteenth Doctor, fourteenth, fourteenth Doctor, but I'm not gonna play him. Like I did the last time around, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Although, yes, saying what, what, what in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, from that from that very short performance, I'm like, no, he's doing his doctor. And we know that he's going to spend his three specials with Catherine Tate. And the two of them have a very particular energy because they've they work with each other outside of Doctor Who. Yeah. And they, they carry that chemistry to whatever they do. So I'm assuming this – I think David Tennant coming in is very Force Awakens to me. It's very much like, hey, longtime fans, we know you've drifted off. We know you you haven't been down with the changes we made. So we're going to give you what you wanted. I mean, David, Jody Whitaker turning into David Tennant is the Harrison Ford coming on the Millennium Falcon in the trailer of Force Awakens. It's like, guys, we'll, let's give you what you want. Please come back. And, 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 and with say- Disney Plus taking over, from what I'm reading, yeah. I think they're having a say in the production. It's not just – they're not just the new BBC America – Apparently they're putting in for the budget, so we're going to see a Doctor Who that has the budget of Andor, yeah, or Obi Wan, which yeah. would be a huge jump because right now we have Doctor Who at the level of Star Trek, right? And then uh, and I uh, part of me wants to wants to believe that Chris Eccleston would be this new Doctor if he just didn't constantly talk about how he hated the experience and then and will never work with them again. You yeah. know, it would be Russell T Davies said, hey. We're we're starting over again. Come on, let's do it. Oh no, you know what? You you spent so much time crapping on it. We're gonna go to the next guy that everybody loves. Yeah, but I, I think Tenant is the most popular modern doctor. And I think when I started watching it during the Matt Smith run, they were neck and neck. But I think yeah. as time has moved on, Tenant's 
Chen's stature has grown and, and Smith has, has sunken just a little bit. I think he's the second most popular doctor of this run. But uh, there's such a likability about Tennant, and Tennant's always working. I mean, you know, Good Omen Season 2 is coming out. He's got a Stephen Moffat show on Netflix. So it's very which easy is, for which him. Which is something. I'm going to tell you, I just yeah. finished it. I just finished All of it or, or the first episode? All of it. It's only four episodes. See, I I, I was a big Moffat fan, but uh, like Joss Whedon, I, and not to bring in the cancellation of Joss Whedon, just stylistically. I had seen so much of him that the tropes were becoming formulaic. Yes. So I, yes. so, and then the last couple of seasons of Sherlock, I was not really in. And, and honestly, as much as I love Capaldi's run, the last season of Capaldi, I was just kind of like, mm. yeah. And so I didn't follow him to Dracula, which people didn't like. And I, I liked Dracula. It was different. Yeah. It was actually different for once. So I'll give Dracula that, but inside man, um, is back to <laughs> the, 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 the Moffat that you know so well. <laughs> yeah, a little too well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so so it's very easy for Tennant to, to, to slip back into these converse, to do yeah. three specials. It's like he can just squeeze that in between three more shows that he does a year. Yeah. And, but I, and, you know, he's obviously, he's aged beautifully. Yeah, um, he looks great. Yeah. He, yeah. You can tell he looks a little older, but he, he, still fits that suit he he hasn't you know he hasn't colin baker himself <laughs> yeah, uh, all of them have, well the other one has really held up really well is mcgann mcgann well hello i what i would give for his permanently slim uh, yeah. dna <laughs> yeah and honestly sylvester mccoy looked 50 30 yeah. years ago yeah but i i do think it's like tenants the most popular doctor and you look at uh, his likability is so off the charts. I mean, um, stage was amazing. That yes. that pulled me through the p- pandemic with him and Michael Sheen just being friends on Zoom. Yes. Whereas you look at Matt Smith, and Matt Smith has made this heel turn. You know, in things like Morbius and Game of Thrones and Terminator, he's become this creepy guy. So I think his charisma is not quite as uh, he doesn't quite have the wattage of Tenet. I don't think you would you would go back. Even if even without Russell T Davies, because Russell T Davies is going to his guy, you know, like if Moffat had come back, right. I don't think he would have Matt Smith come back. I think there's there's something about Tennant. Yeah. There's a charisma about Tennant that's like that's what's going to bring everybody back. He's our generation's Tom Baker, and that's why I'm wondering if if how much of a say Disney had in this. Uh, also, Shuri Gatwa is shooting like Sex Education season four, so he's not ready. Yeah. So they have to do something to excite fans. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if Disney was like, hey, look, on Star Wars, we brought Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher back and people went nuts. Just do that. Yeah, I mean, but they insist that it's a BBC production, that, that they get to be the, the ones who run the ship. So and and I, if, if Disney plays it smart, I mean, I, I get to the point, yeah, there is something about appealing to an international audience or not i mean this is the bbc finally saying okay we want to take doctor who onto the next level not just a british production not just a, an america you know something that we share with the americas where let's be honest as popular as doctor who is or we say doctor who is it's, it's still not on the level of star trek like here in the united not States. in this country no it's anglophiles yeah. that watch yeah. doctor who I, and, and you know they want now they want to go international and that's why you have the Disney Plus, uh, the platform for that. And, and if there's anything Disney knows is how to market internationally. And also how to protect a brand. I think, yeah. um, you know, Marvel didn't change. Star Wars, you can argue um, the hits and misses, but I think they have a better batting average than the prequels did. Um, but that being said, with Disney Plus, you know, now basically owning everything, um, <laughs> Marvel and Star Wars and Doctor Who, let's talk about what Disney's doing with Star Wars because Andor is on episode nine and we've given it passing mention. We're like, hey, there's a new show. Um, we haven't given it the focus that we gave Obi Wan or Book of Boba Fett or Mandalorian because it, it's been kind of under the radar and other things have gone on, but. Uh, as this show goes on, it, it's really turning into a very, very different tone for the franchise. How are you feeling about Andor? I will say this about Andor. Andor is a show that is impossible to spoil. 
it's impossible to spoil because in all honesty, and, and I, I mean this respectfully in a way, it's going to seem like a, a shot, but like not a real whole lot is going on. It's a real, it's the slowest of slow burns with this particular show. Mind you, if you're into political intrigue, if you're into deep character explorations, all right, you're going to love this show. This, the writing is stellar. The acting is some of the best acting you're going to see on any show, let alone a Star Wars show. And um, I'll admit, in the beginning, I was like, okay, come on, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Let's move along. And just when you're about, like, for me, it was like just when I was about to, like, ah, you know, say, okay, I'll catch up with it later. Then the heist, the actual heist that they were planning for how many episodes takes place. You're like, holy shit, this is awesome. And then the aftermath of that, then blah, 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 blah. And now it's Andor's next thing that he has to deal with. So Yeah, now it's a prison show. Now it's, yeah, the, the, it, we've gone from the heist to now a prison break. Because you know there's going to be a prison break, right? Mm -hmm. And But it's slowly, it builds up its thing. And it's very much, um, uh, and I think the reason why it, this show works for a lot of folks now is because now we've been conditioned to that. Uh, remember, Game of Thrones strung us along for how many seasons before? I don't know. I quit season two. <laughs> I know. I uh, I waited. I I stuck with it. I, I I was ready to quit after the Red Wedding, and everyone kept saying, "No, no, no, come back, come back, come back." I was like, "Okay," and yes, it's slowly, slowly. And then by you, by the time you got to the fifth season, where all the payoffs start happening, you're like, "Okay." Mind you, the the series series finale was a bit of a letdown, but overall. It was novels as television. You, you have to pay attention, but you also have to respect, if, if done well, you have to respect the craftsmanship of it. And I'll be honest, not everyone's, it, this is not everyone's cup of tea. It's not everyone's quote unquote Star Wars. You know, if, if, if anything, the debates I'm seeing online is like, well, this is the best acted and written Star Wars I've ever seen. I've been I've been waiting for this forever. I and you don't like it because it doesn't have wizards with laser swords and all the pew pew pew. I'm like All right, yeah, that's probably it, but guess what? That, you know, that's what drew people to Star Wars in the first place. If George Lucas, let's say if George Lucas had done something like Andor the very first time Star Wars was created, do you think it would have been the big hit that it was? Now would have been Dune. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that it was space wizards with laser swords and pew pew pew, that's what made it the brand and and the, the, made it explode onto the consciousness like it did. So that later on, other people can do that kind of thing. Andor is essentially um, an expanded universe novel, you know, in the form of a television show. And if you've got if you've got the the patience to sit through all this talk about. The international, uh, the Imperial Security Bureau, and how the corporate wing, um, uh, some dude drops the ball, and now the the you know the Empire is going to have more of a presence on this planet because of blah blah blah. I'm like, and people complained about the prequels, <laughs> you know, and 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 blockades and trade routes. <laughs> so, uh, I don't well, know. Yeah. It, it's taken me a few episodes. I, I was the same as you. It was like for a while, it felt like homework and it was coming out at the same time as rings of power, which also felt like homework. Um, and rings of power ended up ending well. So it's like, all right, I see why I spent so much time getting to this point with, uh, and, or I think this week I've finally turned the key on what it is, 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 um, for the last few weeks, I realized, Oh, this is not an action show. This is a drama. Mm -hmm. And this is, the first real drama we've had in star Wars. Cause there was a point, I think there was like three episodes went by and I was like, I didn't see an alien. And then there was the, just like one in a crowd. I was like, everybody I looked at has been a human. I didn't see a stormtrooper for a while. It was mm -hmm. literally Imperial officers and human rebels. And then, uh, and then I, I realized just this week, I was like, Oh wait, this is star Wars for adults. And that's, I feel like that's going at exactly what people have been arguing about the franchise and uh, why Star Wars fans are known as the more toxic of sci-fi fans <laughs> because Star Wars is this thing. Lucas has, has said himself, Star Wars is a children's story. Um, 
but it's the genies out of the bottle. So was it really because in 1977, every single person on the planet went to see Star Wars? It wasn't a kid's movie that parents took their kids to. It What happened was Generation X, which you and I are, grew up with Star Wars. And we were very young and impressionable when A New Hope was in theaters. And honestly, we were still young and impressionable when Return of the Jedi was in theaters. And we're the ones that crystallized it and carried it with us. And then there's always been this fight ever since because the prequels, George Lucas came out and went, no, this is for millennial children. And our generation was like, well, this is kind of stupid. I'm like, this is very simplistic. This is dopey. And George Lucas is like, yeah, you're not supposed to watch it anymore. And our generation went, ooh, and started. <laughs> we all, you know, invented Hulk hands right after that. <laughs> yep. uh, and there's always been this push and pull of, is Star Wars a, a children's property? for the next generation of children coming in or is it an adult property and it's never quite settled where as i think marvel did this excellent job and although Mar uh, Mar the mcu is not generations old and i think that's what helps it in this situation but when they came out with with iron man in 2008 they were just like it's for everybody like you've never heard of Iron Man, come in and watch this movie. You've been reading Iron Man for 40 years, come in and watch this movie. And it set the stone. It basically became the central meeting place for all the generations. Whereas Star Wars has just kind of carried this like nine-year-old tone. And Tony Gilroy coming in and goes, Yeah, I'm not doing that. He's <laughs> like, this is this is this is a, sh a Star Wars show for 40-year-olds. And I could see some of the fan base going, like, well, I don't want a Star Wars show for 40-year-olds. I'm I'm watching Star Wars because I'm nine. <laughs> um, <laughs> although, to be honest, my nine-year-old has checked out of Star Wars. And mm -hmm. he has – my nine-year-old has told me I hate Star Wars. And this same nine-year-old saw the trailer for Picard Season 3 and went, oh, we got to watch that Star Trek show. So there's there's no accounting for personal taste. Uh you know, I, I've managed to raise a Trekkie that hates Star Wars. I don't know how <laughs> that happened. Uh, then again, my 15-year-old doesn't only likes Lower Decks. Mm -hmm. We put on Pro we put on Prodigy this week. He got he got up and went Ugh, and walked out of the room. <laughs> and I said to him down the hall, "You can sit here and look at your phone," <laughs> and he wouldn't come back. So ironically, that was a really good episode of Prodigy, by the way. It's probably it one was, of those better episodes. Yeah. I'm enjoying Prodigy. I probably yeah. wouldn't watch Prodigy by myself. Yeah. I'm so I'm really glad that my son likes it so I can watch it with him. Because I don't watch Clone Wars, I don't watch Rebels, I don't watch The Resistance. Uh, every Star Wars animated series I have tried to get into. I haven't seen one episode of The Bad Batch, and I I get this feeling watching them like when I was watching Marvel Disney XD shows. I'm like, they're not talking to me. Like, like, like I said, I was like, they're talking to kids. Mm -hmm. They're trying to get kids into Star Wars. And I'm 50 and this is an animated series that's talking to 12 year olds. And I can't make that connection anymore. When I was 30, it was easier. So I'm all of a sudden I'm loving Andor because I was like, oh my God, Star Wars is talking to me again. Mm -hmm. Star Wars is not trying to just, Star Wars is not trying to throw me member berries. And so I can, we'll bring my kids in. Mm -hmm. You know, which is what it's been doing, you know, Mandalorian and all of the films and Book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan. I mean, we were begging my nine-year-old to stay in the room for Obi-Wan. My 15-year-old loved it. And he was like, ah, I was like, look, lightsaber fighting. He's like, no. Mm -hmm. uh, so all of those shows have been trying to have their cake and eat it, too. They've been trying to satisfy the 50-year-old fans that grew up with it and bring kids in. And I feel like Andor doesn't want to. <laughs> Andor's like. Tony Gilroy doesn't want to know that your kids are watching this. He's actively trying to keep your kids from watching it. <laughs> my my uh, 15 year old said, yeah, I haven't started Andor. I watched it without him. I said, I'll watch the first one without you. He's not the biggest Rogue One fan. So he was like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a Rogue One TV show. I said, well, I'll let you know. And I watched the first three and I was like, yeah, you don't have to watch this. Mm -hmm. And he's fine. Not, but I am completely pulled in. It It's, Showing me as an adult what life under the empire is like, you know, and which has only been given lip service in the films. And I think it kind of it to me, it explains a lot of those things. That that when people would nitpick a show like Obi-Wan or uh, or some, one of the other shows, 
how come everybody doesn't know that that um, that Palpatine's a Sith Lord? Actually, even if they, whether they know they don't, I think a lot of them don't even care. I think a lot of people in the, you know, people who work in the empire don't know. And also if they did know, they wouldn't care. Well, look at, look at the diverging opinions of our last president, which I don't even like to say. I know you and I are on the same or an agreement of our opinion about how the last administration was, but there are a lot of people that think the exact opposite. And there are a lot of people that weren't paying attention. Yeah. So so that that goes back to you know I'm really going oh this actually answers why you know that no that makes sense now that that makes more sense to me why Obi Wan um, wouldn't know that Darth Vader was was at one point Anakin mm-hmm. you know it's a big freaking galaxy you know yeah. and news only gets out the only news that gets out like when you're the Empire you're accustomed to controlling everything the only news that gets out is what they want it want want to get out you know or if you're on a freaking backwater planet like Tatooine, news just doesn't get to you right you know so so it's like well how come he didn't know this I go, okay now you're watching andor well how come everybody in the how come everybody in the imperial security bureau doesn't know that they're they're working for a sith lord well they refer to him as she palpatine as just a dude you know as yeah. the empire you know mon mothma who will be in the same room with the guy you know doesn't know any of that stuff yeah, the, and and this is about the upper levels. I mean, this yeah. is about the imperial officers. It's it's taking that conference room scene in New Hope, which um, always bothered me in terms of the overall franchise. Because once you bring the emperor in, the whole tone of the of the empire changes. Mm-hmm. And I, I always had a problem. I always had a problem uh, connecting Grand Moff Tarkin, who seemed to be the leader of the empire in Star Wars. Connecting Grandma Tarkin with the Emperor, who's this old old guy that shoots lightning and lives in a robe. And I are you right? I think that Andor is showing the disconnect between those two. Is because most people don't see a lightsaber in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, like like you said about Tatooine, people on Tatooine were much more worried about Jabba the Hutt than they were about the Empire. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, it's gone. They don't see it. It's like, you know, in Chicago, you're much more worried about being pulled over by the police than the FBI. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, the Jedi, I mean, again, the Jedi are, yes, they are the keepers of peace in the Republic, or they were at that time. But, you know, in some cases, people never saw them. They only saw them as stories. They only heard about them as stories, you know. And uh, they say, well, there was the Clone Wars. How come people don't talk about that? Fuck. Uh, we had Vietnam, Iraq, uh, two Iraq wars, um, Afghanistan, and kids there. Like, what was that? Yeah. You know, so, so uh, you, to your to the, to your point, you're right. It's about everyday life, and it's taken a while for me for the show to actually go. Okay, what makes this a Star Wars show? I mean, it feels at one point it felt like Firefly to me. You know, I'm like this. This could be any kind of science fiction show really what makes it what makes it star wars what makes it star wars what makes it star wars and then two things happened in the in the, in the last couple episodes one was when you saw how uh and this was of course lucas's intent with the prequels when you saw how the structure of the republic turned into an authoritarian uh an authoritarian you know uh, fascist regime fascist regime and that uh, you had people like that were ready for it they were like cool with it like, yeah we'll do it so Andor gets freaking arrested for being in the wrong place at the wrong time now as a person of color <laughs> i can relate not that i've ever been arrested for being in the wrong place at the wrong time but i know people who have <laughs> and so and they're going okay yeah i see that and then, um, and then you had just the whole, the cruelty of the empire yeah. and the, those first torture scenes that were very, telling you what was really clever. There's that bit when um, Andor's, I forgot the, uh, his female friend's name. Um, she gets captured. Bix. And, Bix, right. And they put her in a room and they're going to torture her. And 
they did the exact uh, t- the whoever directed the episode did the exact same frame up and cutaway that they did in a new hope as they did with uh when they showed leia going to be tortured for the first time the door closes boom switch angle you see a pair of boots walking away they did yeah. the same thing with that scene for bix and they're going oh that's a callback that's a lucas callback add to that i swear all the prison scenes and the scenes when uh, what's his face um the ex corporate corporate officer with the Jewish mom who's making his life hell right oh, now. Oh yeah, that yeah. that that's a dynamic I haven't seen <laughs> yeah. in Star Wars yet. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I yeah, yeah. this 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 feels real. Lucas always yeah. said this is the universe you lived in. Yeah, bitchy nagging mother is a universe that most of us. <laughs> yep. <laughs> At that point, it turns into very THX 1148. It's like yeah. you see uh, every, every man is losing his individuality, kind of like in 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 the in the corporate structure and everything and the the costume designs and they're going holy crap whoever was doing the production on these episodes dropped in and uh dropped in that thx 1148 uh um 1138 um dvd and they said okay we're gonna start emulating that a bit and they're going this there, there was a one episode it was an all talk episode i'm going this feels like young george lucas this feels yeah. like something that i like if if young George Lucas, he said, hey, come on in, do an episode of Andor, that's the one. The one with no no, no pew-pew, no laser swords, none of that. It's just talking about the individual losing their identity in, in, in a structure that's, that's, that's put together to pretty much squash your spirit. And, yeah, um, and, I, and I think it bridges the two trilogies in a way mm-hmm. that we've needed uh, because – when I first saw Phantom Menace, I was like, how is this visually Star Wars? It's so bright and shiny. It just seemed to me to be, oh, Lucas is rich, so this is how he makes a movie now. Whereas in A New Hope, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't, didn't have a lot of money. So it, so it was all thin fabric. I remember in, I guess it was around the time of Attack of the Clones, uh, in Brooklyn, they had a Star Wars exhibit. And they had all the costumes out, and the thing that really struck me was they had Han Solo's vest and you could see through it because the threads were so thin. And then they had Amidala's gown and it looked like she was going to the Oscars. It like, there was so much more money put in Phantom Menace. And I was like, I don't see how this aesthetic connects. And Andor's doing a great job of like, yeah, the empire's just sucking all the resources out mm-hmm. and they're sucking all the life out of the universe that it's this slow. Cause we're five years before a new hope, as it says in the B- first episode, which they call BBY before the battle of Yavin. And so the empires had like 15 years because mm-hmm. what was Obi-Wan? Obi-Wan was 10. I think this is five years after Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. So that's what I, I think the empire is what makes it star Wars. Yes, now, exactly. Right there. you got it. Yep. And that, and that's what I find interesting about it. Cause uh, I know this is just a personal take because it's part of the franchise. When it gets too far into wizards and monsters, I I start to check out and, you know, rubber puppets. Uh, when it gets less real, like Return of the Jedi was pushing it a little far, even when I was 11 years old watching it. I was like, this is getting really goofy. Um, even the the Wampa was as far as I wanted to go into Monsterland. And then the, and then the teddy bears showed up? And the teddy bears showed up and then they got their, <laughs> then they got a special with Wilford Brimley and then they got their own cartoon. But so, remember it's for kids. And, it's a fairy again, tale. This is not, and it right. feels more like star Wars to me than a lot of, than a lot of star Wars has been. And maybe it's because like I said, maybe it's because we're guys in our fifties that grew up with it is this is a, this is appealing to a sensibility, which Maybe we didn't have when we were eight. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know why the empire dissolved the Senate and how would the empire emperor maintain control without the bureaucracy? I was five. I was just waiting for Darth, Darth Vader to strangle that guy from across the room. <laughs> Fear. Yeah, Fear but, yeah. But now it's just resonating with me. And and honestly, last week when Andy Circus showed up, I sat up. Oh my god, that dude! He is so good, and he's been so good in these last few these last yeah. couple episodes. So much talk has been made of him, though. He played Snoke in the sequels. I'm like, 
So yeah, and Mark Hamill was uh, how many different characters in the outside of Luke in the in the sequels too? Josh so, Brolin was Cable and Thanos. Yeah, so, Chris I Evans think, was the Human Torch. I don't yeah. care. Like you keep coming up with this angle. I'm like, oh, whatever. Uh, but uh, to to your point, I will say, don't get me wrong. Again, I'm enjoying Andor, but that's because. I read those extent, you know, those expanded universe novels. You know, there's some were great, some not so great. Well, I haven't. I've I've only no. read the Zon trilogy and Shadows of the Empire. And when I was a kid, I read Splinter of the Mind's Eye and the Han Solo trilogy. But in the 90s, when the expanded universe proliferated, I wasn't really there. I just watched I watched the special editions. I started collecting the figures. So I'm not as well versed. And as yeah. I said, I I've never finished any of the animated series, which I know pulls a lot of the modern star wars yeah, I, I was watching a youtube video that i have not read what you're holding up <laughs> i'm telling you if they figure out a way uh, it's a podcast so you can't see that i'm holding up a copy of uh choices of one uh, the uh the star wars novel that timothy zahn wrote featuring mara jade oh it's um, a new timothy zahn no this is an older one this is a, this is um it's beyond uh, his trilogy Yes, but it's a it's a legends book. It's not it's not some of the news because he's since redone uh, the Thrawn um, yeah. to to fit in with the current um, the the current continuity. And but I know anyway. the animated series are using people like Thrawn and also uh, some of the characters that are in Andor appeared in the animated series. And I didn't get to those people. I had no idea. And I'm still enjoying Andor. So it's uh, it's not about the Easter eggs. Yeah, but I'm like I'm still waiting for. I'm still waiting for my Disney Plus series where we explore Luke re rebuilding the Jedi Order, you know, and then we can maybe reintroduce uh, a version of Mara Jade because poor Luke, man, never gets never gets to meet, you know. He uh, there's that joke that um, that that it's been making the rounds on uh, social media again. It's a YouTube clip where. Uh, uh, Mark Hamill makes a joke. He says, I'm not going to play Luke Skywalker again unless they give him a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, he, well, he, I, himself, he himself even was a little bit miffed that that's kind of like the way Luke got left at the end. Yeah, he know? was he was not crazy about Last Jedi yeah. um, and Last Jedi. I like Last Jedi. Because I, I like the swings Ryan Johnson took. I was like, I, I was impressed by that. I think he did it too much. I think he zigged when he should have zagged because he was like, oh, everybody thinks I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go this way. And there were several points where I was like, ah, you're breaking the story now. Just yeah. because just because we expect that to happen, that's good storytelling. It's, you know, it, you're, you're telling, he told a dissatisfying story to be surprising, but I don't hate it like a lot of people hate it. Uh, I'm, think that uh and i think with mandalorian and book of boba fett they're really taking big swings at trying to do a young mark hamill so we, yeah we, if they can get that cg better and there's a there's a giant leap between carrie fisher and rogue one and mark hamill in book of boba fett or just you know let's be honest just recap you can recast the role i think we're getting to that point soon find a young guy who looks enough like mark hamill and just say you know just have him play the role but people say sebastian stan yeah although he's getting a little uh, long in the tooth too well it depends on when they do this i yeah. mean you know mandal mandalorian is uh is set five years after after return just like star trek star wars is jumping all over the timeline yeah so to me i mean and i enjoyed i enjoyed book of boba fett i enjoyed i mean mandalorian who everyone says is the best star wars out there Although to me it feels like a bunch of video game RPG writers write the episode because it there's a very you know you must go to this place hmm. and retrieve that item to be able to do that. It's like that's every episode is like that now. Mandalorian, Man yeah, the Mandalorian to me, I I really enjoy the Mandalorian, but it's always uh, felt like John Favreau playing with Kenner figures, which, which is fine, which yeah. I love because you know he's he's of our generation and he's bringing that sensibility to it, and that's also what he did with Iron Man mm -hmm. and, um, and, and Book of Boba Fett, especially was uh, Robert Rodriguez and all of them playing with the figures. I mean, at the that very last episode, certainly <laughs> felt like oh yeah, we've got all the figures together in our Tatooine playset. 
Oh, let's go get the rancor. He's just stomping through the village like Godzilla, you know. And I, and I was, I was there for it. I was like, I, yeah. yeah. So was, I still say, if Hasbro had waited for the rancor Haslab, yeah. After that episode, it would have funded. Yeah, and it, then just it, put a Mandalorian figure on there. Boom. People one of the tiers put it saddle. Yeah. Yep. It would. Yep. I I probably would have bought one because when they announced it, it was like three hundred bucks. It was the size of Galactus, and I was like. This is one scene of one movie that's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I already have a ranker, so, you know. Yeah, but not in six-inch scale. That's true. Uh, but to, to – so, again, um, Andor, great show. But I – my only issue now with it, it's not even – it's like uh, I say like with Green Bay, the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers – could be a great team. It's the fans I can't stand. <laughs> right now, I, I, I'm constantly getting that on my social media about how, why isn't anybody watching Andor? Andor's the best Star Wars show that's out there. And then you get all these people chiming and back and forth, back and forth. It's boring. It's the greatest thing. It's this, that, 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 back and forth. I go, guys, guys, can we? I go, Andor, people who talk about Andor, especially these all these columnists who are writing about it, they're, they are now on the level of folks who talk about The Wire and Breaking <laughs> Bad, okay? It's like, don't get me wrong, all good shows. I've never watched The Wire. You want to know why I won't watch The Wire? Because I keep hearing over and over again about how great The Wire is, and it's the greatest television show ever, and anything else pales in comparison. Uh, whatever. Yeah, I find, when I finally watched The Wire, I watched the whole thing and went, it's no Breaking Bad. See, there you go. And then because I, I, the wire came before Breaking Bad, so I think yeah, people's memories it of it. It's like, yeah, but I watched it after, and I watched Breaking Bad, and I love Breaking Bad. But did you, and I would tell folks it's a great show, but I would be constantly saying, "Best show ever! You need to watch this. If you don't watch this show, it's because you don't know real television. It's because you're immature and you and you. Well, need, you get you know, insulting about it. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but that's how a lot of folks are being about about Andor. That when people say, "Yeah, it really doesn't feel like Star Wars to me," oh, it's because, I, like I said in the beginning, mm-hmm. it's because you don't like you want your wizards and space swords and your pew pew pew. I'm like, come on, folks, Do, am I obligated to watch every Star Wars show that's out there? Let's say I don't want to, you know, because I'm I telling you, I never finished Clone Wars. Yeah, uh, so I'm like, if you if you say I have to watch Andor and I've got to love it, guess what? You've got to watch the Star Wars holiday special, and you've got to love it because that's also. Don't we have to love the holiday special? Well, I'm just saying, but if you tell me I got to love Andor, and it's not my cup of tea, and yeah, I'll tell you, I do have a little bit of affection for the Star Wars holiday special. Not the whole thing. Uh, The B, uh, the B Arthur bits, uh, the Harvey Corman, Harvey Corman, all those. Yeah, they're kind of. I think I I have fun with Jefferson Starship. Yeah. Yeah, Art Art Carney as a as a as a rebel spy. The great, yeah. The, he was the, doing that. He was doing that before they did that on Andor. Okay. The grand <laughs> the the grandfather Wookie watching VR porn. Yeah, I know. And then little and then little uh, little lumpy, uh, you know, watching the dancers and stuff, making his own little hand carved X wing. You know, they built that Wookie family to do a special every year. Yep. We would have had if, if that had worked at all, we would have had so much more of Lumpy. Yeah. But still, um, it was it was a part of being this a part of the Star Wars experience as a Star Wars fan. So if you're telling me that, that that thing is an atrocity and I should never have to watch it again, well then stop getting on me about not wanting to watch Andor, okay? You know, that it's not my cup of tea. Yes, I, 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 again, I have to qualify it by saying I'm watching the show. I'm actually enjoying it, although I'm not going to deny there are times I'll be on my phone. Okay, let's. Uh, yeah, hold on, mm-hmm. I'm scrolling here, but and I go, I look up. I really didn't miss anything. Uh, so you know, uh, and and I, I once had a friend go, "What you're saying that about the guy who who wrote Michael Clayton?" I go, "Yeah, I saw Michael Clayton. I remember being pulled in by the freaking ads for Michael Clayton, making it seem like a thriller, like this really, oh, really? edge of your seat thriller. It's not." It's, it's political. It's yeah, political. I, I yeah. rewatch it. Tony Gilroy was on Mark Maron's podcast and uh, to talk about Andor, and all Mark Maron wanted to talk about was Michael Clayton. Michael Clayton. And about a half an hour into that podcast, I'm like, I saw this movie once. I don't remember this at all. And watched it streaming. And when I did watch it, 
uh, I was like, oh yeah, I get Andor now. I see what he's doing. Mm-hmm. It it is he's applying that engine to Star Wars, and that's why I like Andor because finally I have been I I have been saying for years that that uh, Star Trek is doing amazing things on Paramount Plus, and not a lot of people are noticing it compared to Disney. Be- and one of the things I love about it is that they're doing different types of shows for different types of fans. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big enough Trekkie where I watch all of them. But as I said, Discovery's not my favorite. And um, and Prodigy, I recognize, is aiming for a younger subset than I am. But, I, but they're all worthwhile and they're all worth me watching. When Lower Decks come out, I don't shut up about it to the point where you're annoyed. <laughs> and... <laughs> And well, I feel you did convert me to it. I will it, say so you converted good. me to it. Yeah. God, God, the way season three just ended. And I real when that ended, I realized I care about these characters and these mm-hmm. stories as much as I've cared about any Star Trek. This is no longer a parody. This is a Star Trek show that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but I live, I live and die by my card because as the years have gone on, I've become more and more of a next gen fan than anything mm-hmm. else. Um, next gen D space nine to nineties, I think is was the peak of Trek and that's where they're continuing that Lord X is in that, that frame, but I want to see what Patrick Stewart's character does. And I can't wait to see next generation cats come in, but all shows are very different from one another. And I feel like star Wars, uh, Marvel to a lesser extent, because she Hulk and WandaVision are big swings, but star Wars has been trying to give us the same thing every time. Uh, like star Wars, most of the, the shows, have been live action versions of the animated series. And I've liked them. I'm not saying any of them are bad. I think uh, Book of Boba Fett was structured terribly. I think, I, on, I think if you had laid that show out chronologically, it would have made more sense. Um, I loved Obi-Wan. And I realized I loved Obi-Wan for the same reason I love Dr. Sleep. I'm a big fan of Ewan McGregor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was in a good story. My only complaint about Obi-Wan is I think it should have stayed a movie. Because if it stayed a movie, I would have watched it four times by now. And every time I think about rewatching it, I'm like, oh, my God, six episodes do I have? Mm-hmm. Am I going to give a day to Obi-Wan? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why we're not talking about it anymore. We were talking about it a lot when it happened. And now that Andor's in, we're not talking about Obi-Wan. I, I was watching Screen Crush, which is a great channel, and they were comparing – and or to Book of Boba Fett. And it was really, and Heather Antos, uh, an editor for IDW was on it. And it was a really interesting video. But the whole time I was like, why aren't we talking about Obi-Wan? That came in between. And that's, that did a lot of, and that kind of covers both bases. It's almost like Book of Boba Fett and Andor are two extremes. Yeah. And Obi-Wan's right in the middle there. Yeah, yeah. But Andor's the first time I think Star Wars is just going, we're talking to these people now mm-hmm. and they're, they're not tr- like, like I was saying before, they don't want my nine. Tony Gilroy does not want my nine year old watching the show. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, finally give you, as you were saying, you don't have to watch anything. So show me that by aiming stuff at different people. Agreed. Um, and I think what we need to do is we need to get outside of this completist mindset where if you want to be a fan of star Wars, you have to watch everything and do it and, and engage. I mean, for me, Ultimately, let's be honest, this is entertainment. These are things that are created to give us a diversion from our from our otherwise miserable lives. <laughs> I would say speak for yourself, but I feel like you're speaking for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I say that tongue in cheek, you know, but these are diversions. They are entertainments. They're to give us a inspire us in some cases. Uh, give us diversions and others, if anything, to take our mind off our problems or just have a little fun regardless. It doesn't need to be – it doesn't need to turn into this thing where, ah, oh, you know, this show is the greatest thing ever and how how can you not enjoy it and why aren't more people watching this and, oh, no, I can't believe that you like this. This is the worst thing ever. And, folks, it's it's – these are the stories that are here to entertain and inspire. They shouldn't get us uh, arguing with each other. Do you have a greatest thing this week? Uh, greatest thing in the world is uh, is I will, even though I did kind of um, um, rag on it a little bit. Um, I did enjoy uh, the the inside Inside Man by Stephen Moffat. It was a good diversion. Okay, wasn't the greatest greatest thing, but it was nice seeing 
David Tennant again, speaking dialogue written by Stephen Moffat. Also, um, uh, the gal, uh, I forgot her last, Sally, I forgot her last name. The actress who was in, who we discover in Dracula, which I did enjoy too, um, is in this particular uh, series and has a very interesting role uh, with an even more interesting twist to her character at the very end that they save for a post credit scene in the very last episode. So if you're looking for a diversion, and I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you this is going to change your life, and I'm not telling you that the show doesn't have a couple warts and stuff that, you know, Stephen Moffat falling in love with his own sense of storytelling and playing with, you know, trying to be more clever than everyone. But if you kind of miss that sort of thing, um, I would watch it. That's great. Um, my thing, like I said, I'm coming out of a lot, a lot of 80s slasher movies. Uh, I've seen some really terrible ones. I've seen some interesting <laughs> ones. But then uh, I was starting to burn out on horror, especially once Halloween was over. But I wasn't really ready to leave it yet. So I started to watch Mystery Science Theater again. And I downloaded the Gizmoplex, uh, which they created out of their Kickstarter. Now, I didn't uh, donate to the Kickstarter, so I don't have a season pass. So I haven't seen anything new. And it's like $150 to sign up for the season. That's a lot mm -hmm. to ask. And I know Mystery Science Theaters, people are hardcore fans. You know, I, I, I've been there from Comedy Central to Sci-Fi to Netflix. I saw Joel live uh, and... Um, Howie Weingarten was on the show last week and I were diehards in college, but I, 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 I couldn't make the $150 donation. But then when I went into the app, I found out that all of the old seasons, all 10 comedy central and sci-fi seasons are free. So if you download the mystery science theater app and go into the Gizmoplex, you can watch any episode and there's more than 200 in there. And mystery science theater has always been, has always had a rights issue because Obviously, every episode has a movie studio attached. And there were a lot of movie studios that were like, hey, I said you could show this on TV. I didn't say you could make a DVD out of this. I didn't say you could stream it. So it's always been really tough to get the episodes. And there are episodes missing. And unfortunately, uh, some of my favorite episodes are missing. They did a couple of Godzilla movies mm. that I just love. Godzilla vs. Megalon is maybe my favorite episode of Mystery Science Theater. Toho will not let them put that out ever again but this is the most complete they've ever been and i have watched uh episodes that i haven't seen in 20 30 years that you know hulu had them for a bit and netflix had some of the old ones for a bit but they were always scattered because of the movies and i watched you know two gamera movies this week oh. that I, I don't think i've seen since the 90s and joel hodgson's on both of them and they're they're really funny, and I want to see the new seasons because I loved what they did on Netflix, mm -hmm. and uh, I've heard great things about the new seasons. And there are some really A list writers working on uh, that show that uh, were fans of the show that want to come in and put their stamp on it. And you know, if uh, I have one hundred fifty dollars to burn uh, ever again. <laughs> And, or if it comes down in price, I will watch the new ones, but I'm really grateful that there's a free app that's aggregated hundreds and hundreds of mystery science theaters. So Elliot, how can we find you online? I because am... you're not the mystery science theater app. No, no, not yet. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> one day. Maybe. Uh, um, you can find me across all social media platforms at Elliot Serrano two L's, two T's, and two R's. Even on YouTube now, I have uh, my own personalized YouTube channel, um, at, um, Elliot Serrano. So um, if you're looking for me, but I'll tell you right now, best place to engage is on Facebook, where uh, on my own personal page, there's also my um, professional page, King of Geeks Chicago. Uh, I would love for folks to give our... Um, MCU review and shaking that herd pages a look and a like and a share, um, especially with the MCU review where we have been generating. I'm telling you, we have been generating some really good content conversations about uh, the movies. Uh, I still say our talk about uh, Spider-Man uh, Homecoming with uh, Dan Chichester is one of our best. I had to sit out the Thor Ragnarok uh, episode 
but you guys, ha- yeah, it was good though. I watched it. Uh, we had a Chicago White Sox play by play commentator. Um, uh, Connor McKnight was on, and it was really nice seeing you guys nerd out. Um, for once, as an audience member, I just got to sit back and listen to the conversation. It was fun. So um, for folks who haven't been watching it, again, uh, facebook.com slash MCU Review. That's R-E-V-U. Uh, and all our episodes, uh, go, starting all the way back with the first Iron Man, uh, you can find the uh, v- recordings of the video live stream. And you can also find the uh, podcast version on the uh, Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Yeah, those episodes are become episodes of Caffeinated Comics. So um, you will hear the, the uh, Thor Ragnarok one uh, in the upcoming weeks. If you subscribe to this podcast, you will hear the audio. But if you want to watch it, uh, it is the video version of Caffeinated Comics. Um, where, you, where you get to see the toys, too. Yeah, you get to see it. Yeah, we're on video now, and I'm not running this. And I got, <laughs> I, I got my big chief David Tennant Doctor Who out, uh, which went on sale right after I bought it. <laughs> uh, but you can also follow us on Facebook. I'm going to say Facebook first because, oh, Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Facebook.com slash caffeinated comics. I think I figured it out. They changed their algorithm uh, recently, so it's it was harder to post stories. Because you have to, you basically have to go into the profile to post anything. Right. And it used to be if I was in my personal profile, I could post a Captain Comics. So uh, I've kind of got that figured out. So we're we're starting to get more news coming in. Uh, that's a great place to follow us. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as not at not in my book. Uh, but I'll tell you, Instagram is lots of pictures of Marvel Legends figures, a few pictures of guitars, a couple of pictures of my girlfriend. And then uh, Twitter, I, I've yet, never cracked 500 followers and that thing is going down in flames. So if, if you want to follow it, fine. Um, and if you want to subscribe, hey, why don't you tell 50,000 of your friends to subscribe to the Caffeinated Comics and I won't <laughs> look for another advertising job. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, you never so, know. Yeah, we, we're going on 10 years now and part and a proud part of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. So if you listen to the show occasionally, uh subscribe, give us a like. It really helps it out. Uh give us a like on our Facebook page. Just let us know you're out there, leave us a comment. I see all the comments that come in, and I appreciate um everybody that talks to it. I I've had conversations with guys for years. I don't know who they are. <laughs> um, but there are lots of ways to get in touch with us. But either way. We will talk to you next week.